0: Hey! Welcome to episode 20 of the Voice Junkie Podcast. I'm Chuck West. What's good? Welcome! For all my new listeners, welcome to one of the coolest podcasts, one of the most underrated podcasts out there on the interwebs. Yes, this is Voice Junkie. So let me jump right into it, man. I got some topics that I want to talk about. Of course, if you watched, I mean, excuse me, if you read the title of this episode, it's called Too Much Hype. And I'm going to jump right into the main topic, Zion Williamson. Now for you sports fans out there, or if you're not a sports fan out there, specifically you guys, Zion Williamson is one of the top, eh, i say like top three recruits in the country in basketball when it comes to uh, high school recruits, you know, All-American, McDonald's, whatever the hell they classify it as. Yeah, Zion Williamson. He's like a phenom man. He's I mean, you just YouTube the kid. He's got a bunch of great clips on there. The dude is like every game is like a slam dunk competition. I mean he's he's a freakish athlete for his his age. And he decided over the weekend what school that he's going to go to, which college he's going to go to. Obviously, a kid like that is trying to just go to college for one year, one and done. That's what basketball has built its system on. College, The college system has built its system on one and dones. So obviously, when you're a kid like that, you're a phenom athlete in high school, you're trying to find the best platform for you to potentially move to the next level. And for whatever reason, Heath has decided to pass on South Carolina. I think he's from South Carolina. I could be wrong. You know, anybody who wants to correct me, correct me in the comments section below. But I believe he's from that region of the country. But he had South Carolina as a uh, potential destination. He had North Carolina. He had you know Kentucky, the usual suspects, Duke. You know the same old schools that every goddamn kid in the country seems to say every year. Why I don't know. But I'll get into that part. So, you know, they made a spectacle. And, of course, he's decided to go with one of those schools that I've named. And he decided – he he shook things up a little bit because no one expected him to pick the school he picked. The school that he chose ultimately was Duke. Duke University. Coach K. And Coach K is going to have himself another top five recruit going to his school that has already committed. Or verbally committed, at least. And this goes into the problem that I have. This is going to the real deep problem that I have with a lot of these kids. Now, granted, they're kids. They don't know no better a lot of times. They just go off of whatever the hype is. If the hype, it's like the clothing, it's like clothing, right? It's like the clothing market. It's like the sneaker game, right? Chances are, everybody's going to want what everybody talks about. That's just what it is. Whether the product is good or not, whether the style is good or not, whether the kicks are good or not, on a, just a conceptual level, it doesn't matter to them. They're just going to want whatever everyone else wants, whatever oh, whatever anybody else seems to want. You know, That's what people, that's how we are, man. We're simple creatures, human beings, man. We're simple creatures, man. We love to follow waves. We love to love what everybody else loves. Majority of us, and it's no different than when you pick a school, and these a lot of these athletes, whether it's in the football game and specifically the basketball game. What, what, what am I getting at? You mean X? Where am I getting with this? Well, first of all, what I'm getting at is that I don't understand what the fascination is with Duke University. I just don't get it. Now, granted. I will say this full disclosure. I am a Connecticut resident. I'm born and raised here in Connecticut. So I am a little bit biased because I am a UConn Huskies fan. So you can blur this a little bit with hate or or say that I'm hating a little bit or whatever the case may be. I, I like that. Leave that up to you. That's subjective. You know, but I, I, I OK, that's fair. I, I, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think Duke University is vastly overrated. It's a vastly overrated school. First of all, let me tell you why it's overrated. Every single year, we hear Duke University as a top three, top five school that these top recruits want to go to. Why, you ask? Why is that? Now, I know some of you out there are going to say, oh, well, because they have a continued record of excellence. Do they? I'm gonna challenge a lot of you who probably are saying that out there, that they have a continued record of excellence. Let me say this. Duke University is a a very successful school. They do make it to the tournament a lot of the times every March. You could pencil in Duke University in the big tournament every year. You know, chances are. I mean Coach K is an all-time great coach. Coach K can guarantee kids that you will be in the big tournament every single year. You will have the opportunity to compete for a national championship. Now, let's get into the stats. Duke University has only won three championships in the 2000 era. Three championships. So, I'm not saying that's not impressive, but at the rate these kids are, 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 are committing these top prospects are committing to Duke annually, you would think that Duke University Coach K was as successful as Nick Saban in the football market down there in Alabama. Nick Saban just won his fifth championship, and he's been to about, what, seven national championship uh, games in the past, like, ten years. So I understand why kids would want to go and play for Nick Saban down there in, in Tuscaloosa. I understand that because the stats prove it. It's like, man, this program, first of all, we're going to play in a pro system that's going to be tailor-made for the NFL once we make that transition to the next level. Not just that, we're probably going to be playing in a championship every year. So I understand the incentive for a kid to want to go play for Nick Saban down in Alabama, but I don't understand the incentive, this, this weird obsession for kids to go play for Coach K. I don't get it. Now, in the old days, I'm old enough to know, but, you know, I'm in my mid-30s almost. So, in the old days, the excuse for kids to go want to play for kid uh, schools like Duke and North Carolina and, and Kentucky and et cetera, et cetera. The, the, and, I mean, even even uh, Indiana back in the old days when uh, Coach Knight was running that program. But the excuse back then was we want to go to a big-name school so we can be seen We can have a spotlight, a better spotlight, a better chance to be drafted in the first round. That was the excuse. But now, that excuse doesn't hold weight anymore. At all. Because it doesn't really matter what school you go to anymore. You know, with social media and uh, platforms like YouTube, etc., etc., and all these other websites that monitor recruits across the country, it doesn't really matter what school you go to, you know? Gordon Hayward for the Boston Celtics who used to play for the Utah Jazz in the NBA. He was a first round pick and he's an all-star right now and he went to Butler. Butler University. Does Butler have a a a a, a tradition, a, a a something that everybody talks about or or whatever the case may be? No, they don't. They're just a good program who had some players you know, who had a really good coach as well. But my point in what I'm saying is that if you are good enough to play in a D1 school, no matter what the school name is, if you're good enough to play in that school or any school across the country in a Division One, it doesn't matter what school you go to because you're going to be drafted regardless of the fact. Kawhi Leonard, here's another one. He went to San Diego State, but he was good enough to get drafted in the first round. Or somebody was smart enough to draft him in the first round. But the point in the matter is you have so much talent, not just in the country, around the world when it comes to getting into the NBA. So this notion that you got to go play for Duke to be seen or to have attention brought to you is, is hogwash. You know? So now it gets to the other point. Duke only won three championships, like I said, in the 2000 era. You know, I believe it was one and the other one was in 2010 and I believe the other one was in 2015. I could be wrong about that. But guess what? Like I said before, that's impressive, but it's not great. It's not, it doesn't warrant the status that this ridiculous status that Duke has been carried on for years. It doesn't, it doesn't warrant that. Let me give you another one uconn yes my uconn huskies they've won three championships as well in the 2000 era they won in 04 they won in they won in 2011 and they won in 2014 now in my opinion why would so if you if, if duke is so prestigious then what is connecticut connecticut's won the same amount of championships so why aren't they looked at more far as these recruits are concerned? Is it just the fact that Coach Ali and Coach, um, at before Coach Ali, uh, Coach, um, 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 Jesus Christ, I can't remember damn coach's name before Ali. I'm drawing a blank here. Calhoun. So you mean to tell me Calhoun and Coach Ali right now, so maybe they're just not really good at being uh at recruiting kids or maybe just kids just don't want to come play here for whatever reason for whatever reason but we know what that reason is it's hype yukon is just not a hype school when it comes to the men's program everybody knows about yukon across the country when it comes to the women because the women win every year so even in that light you know yukon people know yukon because of the women let's just say that they, we, we don't know the men Let's just say because of the woman, we know that UConn is a basketball college. We know that. But however, as great as the women are, the men have been pretty good as well. If you're going to put Duke on this ridiculously high pedestal for winning only three championships in the 2000 era, why in the world doesn't UConn get the same amount of respect? Why? I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yes, Coach K is a great coach, this, that, and the third. But he has three chips. That's all in the past 15 plus years. And UConn has the same amount of championships. So I just don't understand why kids continuously ignore UConn every year. And it's frustrating to me. It's extremely frustrating to me. I don't know. Is it the weather that you don't want to be around? I don't know. I've been to North Carolina. Beautiful state. You know, it's not the hottest. You know, it kind of reminds me of Connecticut. Just a little warmer that's it. So I, I I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's so frustrating that a lot of kids just don't have their own minds. They just want to go off of the hype. So they hear a lot about Duke. They see Coach K coaching on the U.S. basketball team. They see all of these different things. They see hype. They don't really see results. They just don't see that. They don't look at that. Instead, they just look at what everybody else talks about. What everybody else considered as the gold standard. And for whatever reason, for so long, Duke has been looked at as the gold standard. How? I don't know. Again, I just gave you the stats. They've only won three championships in the past 15 plus years. It's not great. It's good. But it ain't great. So, I just don't understand that. But, you know, Coach K... To his credit, he's gonna get another great recruit. I don't, I'm not as high on Zion as some people may be. I think that he's a little still a little undersized. I think he's gonna be a power forward because he's 6'7, 275 pounds. I mean, this kid is a McChicken away from being over 300 pounds. And that could be a problem. You know, he he's he's this is like some big baby glenn davis type shit right here 6'7, 275 he's going to be undersized so hopefully the kid is not done growing i say if he can get to that six nine six ten range and be a power forward and have that weight and keep his weight to this level because uh i think 300 pounds might be just too big um if he can stay in that range, then it'll definitely help him. But if he doesn't grow anymore and he stays around six seven, six eight, that means he's going to be undersized, and and once he makes that transition to the NBA, so whether he's on Duke or not, it's not going to matter whether he's going to you know when it comes to the NBA and if he's going to be a star or not. Duke is not going to help him with that. So you know these decisions just blow my mind. You know they seriously just blow my mind, and you know. Just some more information on Duke. Duke doesn't really have many Hall of Famers either. I mean, the think about it. Who in the last 15 years, you could say, made the Hall of Fame? I think Alonzo Mourning just made it. He went to Duke. Um, you have Bernard King, and these guys are way back in the days who've played. But all the recent guys, aside from Kyrie Irving, who I think who can if he continues to play at the level he's playing at right now, he's definitely going to be a future Hall of Famer. Other than that, there's nobody else. So this notion, even if Zion go there and then Coach K gets more recruits to go there, doesn't mean that they're going to be half as good in the NBA because it, it's proven that they've had a lot of bust come out of that uh, out of Duke. So you know, I, I just I don't understand the hype. I just don't get it. You know, UConn's produced Hall of Famers as well. Ray Allen's obviously going to be in a Hall of Fame. Rip Hamilton is going to be in a Hall of Fame soon. And who knows? Maybe Kimball Walker might be there. Look at his stats. He's an all-star as well. And he's putting up pretty good stats. Not too far away from Kyrie Irving's stats. But nobody talks about him because he plays in Charlotte. So UConn's produced really great talent as well. I mean, pretty much same level type talent that um, Duke's produced. But they just don't get talked about as much as Duke. Again, it's like marketing. <laughs> you know, one product can be marketed better than another product. Doesn't mean that it's, you know, better quality. And I see that to be the case with Duke. Yeah, but anyway, on to the next topic that I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the new tracks that came out over the weekend with drake his new two song ep now i don't know why he's gonna make a two song ep why not just come out with two songs nah but drake you know he's got to make it look you know a lot more than what it is but regardless of the fact two tracks came out god's plan and diplomatic community god's plan and diplomatic community man they're good tracks they're good tracks i mean it's you get the classic drake vibe melodies and you get some bars from the dude. So I I, I listened to both songs. I heard God's playing earlier in the week. I think it was on Sirius XM. And um, I heard Diplomatic Immunity over the weekend. And both of the tracks are good, like I said. But, 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 but. If you listen closely to Diplomatic Immunity, the second song on the quote-unquote two-track EP, he might be throwing some shots at some people, man. He might be throwing some shots. You know what I mean? I think he's throwing some shots at Complex, DJ Academics, and Joe Button. Yes. Yes, indeed. He's throwing some shots. Drizzy is coming for that smoke. Drizzy want that smoke. I'm going to recite some of these uh, bars that he had said in the uh, Diplomatic Immunity track. First of all, Diplomatic Immunity is an interesting uh, play of words. That's an interesting title to go for you know a a track i mean i wonder how cameron feels about that and the dipset. but anyway this is what drake said on diplomatic immunity shit is complex like short niggas round tall ladies i gotta watch who i'm talking to like it's all agents i've seen button careers turn to sit around and talk around other careers judging their peers knowledge from niggas who did not contribute to none of this here. That's what Drake said in uh, diplomatic immunity. Let's decipher the bars, right? First of all, clear, clear indication of complex. He said it. Shit is complex. He so he's acknowledging complex. And then on to this part. This is the part that he went after Joe Button. I've seen Button, Button careers turn to sit around and talk around other careers judging their peers so he talking about joe button like nigga you 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 retired and now you talk about other people's careers and you could have been something but it didn't work out so now you want to be judging others and then he and the last bar that probably went toward academics was knowledge from niggas who did not contribute to none of this here so he's talking to uh, academics on that part because academics obviously isn't a rapper he's not in the music industry as a performer in any facet so you know it's weird man it's it's like athletes that's why athletes and musicians get along so well especially rappers because they have the same mentality they feel like yo if you haven't spit or wrote a bar or uh produced or done anything in the business just like how a basketball player feels or football player if you haven't played in a collegiate sports or you haven't done anything on a high level you shouldn't have an opinion over it and it's crazy to me it's like saying to a food critic you shouldn't have opinions on how food should taste because you aren't a chef it's like what the fuck are you talking about you know you don't have to be in a profession Or formally involved with the profession to be an expert on something. To know what is quality and what isn't. You don't need to be in that profession. Look, if it's a shit sandwich, it's a shit sandwich. I shouldn't have to know how to cook to know if something tastes like shit. Same thing goes with sports. Same thing goes with rapping. If you know what's hot, you know it's it's, it's either hot or it's not. So I don't like the criticism when it comes to people who are curators, who are uh, tastemakers, who are critics. When it comes to things, look, you have to have critics. This notion, these, these soft athletes, these soft musicians who don't want any criticism. They want all positivity. Whether the song's garbage or not, they want all positivity. You can't criticize nothing. Without criticism, how do you get better? That's my question. How in the world do you get better? If you have no one, you have no pocket, small pocket. Now, I'm not talking about the haters. You're going to always have haters. You know, those those are the type of people that are going to hate on you regardless if you putting out fire or not. Regardless if you drop in 30 points or not, you're going to have those haters. I get it. But you have critics, you have curators, you have tastemakers, you have people who do this for a living who who listen to this type of stuff, who study the game or whatnot. This is what they do every day. So it's a craft. It's an art form for them. To, to, to make it seem as if they don't know what they're talking about because they aren't an artist doesn't, doesn't fly. You know what I mean? So I just don't understand the mindset behind that. Like, you know, and, and it just it's just it just it shows you how weak-minded a lot of these athletes are, a lot of these performers are. It's like, look, man, if there was no criticism in the world, that means we don't have taste. Without criticism, without being critical of something, positively, cri- you know, a constructive criticism is always healthy. You know what I'm saying? Disconstructive criticism, criticism and everything, you know? But... As a human being, you should take that criticism and try to grow upon that criticism and get better. That's why it's called constructive criticism. And this notion that no one should criticize anything, especially if they aren't a part of said profession, sounds fucking crazy. You know what I mean? It just sounds crazy. So I, I, I don't believe in all of that. But just get the back to the bars real quick. Now... We all know how this went last time when Drake got his ass handed to him by Joe Button. When Button was throwing out like, he was throwing out like diss EPs, not two track EPs. He was doing like five track EPs, dissing Drake. And Drake didn't have no response then when Joe Button was rapping. Now that Joe Button has retired, stepped away from the mic, quote unquote, you got something to say. You got a little subliminal Message to throw at him. You know what I mean? You got a little something to throw at him. Now, now, this could be, who knows? This could be fodder that's gonna build up to the new project that Joe Button is gonna do under Revolt. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, anything's possible, man. I just seen the Migos trash Joe Button before they released their quality control uh mixtape playlist, whatever the hell it was. That was basically shit, promoting the hell out of Everyday Struggle and Complex. And then they went on Beats 1 and said, hey, you know, basically acknowledging Joe in a positive light. So, for all I know, Drake might be doing this too as well. Because Joe Button, man, he's the flavor of the week right now. I mean, Joe Button has put himself in a situation where he's one of the most talked about pundits in the industry right now. There's nobody bigger than him right now. As a critic. As a hip-hop critic. Than Joe Button. Aside from Charlemagne, the God. It's just those two right now. And you don't think artists know that? Oh, they know that. I mean, right behind the, those two. Are probably DJ Academics. So these are the three. You know, biggest names. far as the world. Uh, of Of you know hip-hop and and culture when it comes to being a critic those are the three biggest names you think artists don't know that yeah they know so mentioning them or subliminally so uh subliminally dissing them definitely uh is going to garner some kind of attention <laughs> you know what i mean it's going to garner some attention so it's going to be interesting to see where this goes if Joe Button is going to... Definitely, he's he will acknowledge it, but he, he'll probably shrug it off. I don't expect Joe Button to come out with any records because Lord knows we don't need any more diss records. If you want to hear him dissing uh, Aubrey, Drake, then just listen to the old Joe Button disses. You know what I mean? I don't think Joe's going to do that, but it's going to be real funny. You know Joe's going to come back with some real... Comical shit <laughs> that's gonna try to encapsulate the whole discussion and, and and bring some type of attention to it. It's gonna be entertaining, and that's all we're gonna get from this. We're not gonna get really much anything else. There's not gonna be any diss tracks, no battles going on. Trust me, Drake don't want that smoke with uh, Joe Button because we've already seen it. So it'll be interesting to see what comes from this, but I don't expect anything to really uh, manifest into anything. Far as lyrically, but on to the next subject. Let's talk about the Vikings, Eagles, and the Pats and the Jags. So, (sighs) we're almost ready, man. We're almost on our way to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is upon us, it's coming. We already know Justin Timberlake has been booked as the headlining act during the Super Bowl during halftime. Now we just got to know who the competitors are, who's going to play each other. And these games over the weekend will decide that. So I'm kind of torn with these decisions, really. Uh, The first game on the docket is going to be the Vikings versus the Eagles. Um, I'm actually recording this on Sunday. So this game is going to come on in a few hours, actually. So I'm going to get my predictions in before the games come to the um, final conclusion. So... I'm gonna go with the Vikings over the Eagles. First of all, I just think that the Eagles are on borrowed time. I think that the Falcons should have beaten the Eagles last week, but I think more to the uh, the um, unraveling of the uh, of the Eagles. I think that was more of an, uh, more of the reason why that the Eagles won the unraveling excuse me of the Falcons they just unraveled they just just on offense they just looked terrible in that game Matt Ryan didn't look like Matt Ryan he looked like a lost puppy out there and things just didn't go right they couldn't really run the ball and you know it was just bad the score was 15 to 10 they had their opportunities you know Philadelphia couldn't score touchdowns Nick Foles you know did what he can do he didn't really turn the ball over too much and, you know, actually the Eagles lost a turnover battle. They had like two fumbles in that game and still won. So that just tells you how bad the Falcons was. That was more of an indication of how bad they were that day. So that's why the Eagles are in the NFC Championship now. The Vikings got lucky against the Saints. We all know about the miracle throw of, uh, you know, to Diggs at the end of regulation in the fourth quarter. We all know how that went. But... As a overall team, I think the Vikings are a better team right now. And they have fate on their side, man. The way they won that game against the Saints, it just seemed like it's just meant for them to be competing for the Super Bowl this year. It just seems like it. It's just one of those magical rides that we're starting to witness. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think that the Vikings will beat the Eagles uh, today. Um... I'm trying to think of a score. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game because these are two really good defenses. And this game is in Philadelphia, so I do have to respect the Eagles somewhat because they do play very well in Philadelphia. But if it's any team that can go into Philly and win, it's definitely the Vikings because they have the defense to do so, and they do have the running game to do so. So I'm going to pick the Vikings Twenty-one. Two. I say uh, sixteen. I say the Eagles will score sixteen. They scored fifteen last week against the Falcons, so I think they can get at least sixteen against the Vikings. So twenty-one sixteen Vikes. I'll go with that score. Now for the nightcap. Dun dun dun. dun. Pats versus Jags so now we had all these storylines over the last few days about Tom Brady hurting his thumb during practice he sliced it gashed it whatever the hell happened we don't really know but he had to get it stitched up and he's quote unquote questionable for this game now do I think Tom Brady will miss this game tonight no over Tom Brady's dead body he will not miss this game do I hope that the Jags pull off the upset you got up you damn right I you, you better believe it You damn right. But, I think, unfortunately, I hate to say it, unfortunately, I think Tom Brady and the Patriots will somehow figure it out. They will gut it through and win this game. I just don't trust Blake Bortles enough. You know, Blake Bortles has played. He played pretty well against Pittsburgh You know, he made four to five throws that that team had to have. And I think in this game, Belichick will have Blake Bortles in check. And he will put the game in Bortles' hands. He will take the game out of TJ Yeldon's hands and Leonard Fournette's hands as far as the running game is concerned. He'll take it out of their hands and he'll put it in Blake Bortles' hands and say, hey, beat us. And I think that's where we're going to go wrong. This is going to have to be a time of possession game. In order for the Jags to win, they have to keep Tom Brady and that offense off the field. Now, I know Jacksonville's defense is very, very good. They have the pieces. They have the, the scheme that has traditionally given Tom Brady a lot of issues. You know, having a strong front four, having really great corners on the back end. That's been like Tom Brady's kryptonite, traditionally. So if you can rush Tom up the middle with those guys, Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, push and collapse the middle of that pocket, get him off his spot, you have a chance against Tom Brady. And believe me, they're going to get after him. They will get after him. But Tom Brady is going to make a couple throws That's going to win this game. I just have a feeling. And I just can't bet against the Patriots as much as I want to. Trust me. I want to so bad. I just can't do it. So I'm going to pick the Patriots in this game. 26 to 20. Tom Brea have one final drive. That's going to put them over the top. And they're going to go off to Super Bowl. For what? The freaking 8th time? This will be their 8th appearance. 8 fucking appearances. I think this will be, you know, they'll go off and they'll be going against the Vikings. And then that's when things will get interesting. So I'll hold my prediction in the Super Bowl. Right now, my picks is going to be Vikings versus the Pats for this year's Super Bowl. So that's what I'm going with. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, the Pats uh, lose. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so those are my picks. Those are the topics of the day. Too much hype. What do you think? You can reach out to me on all social media platforms. I'm at Chuck Westworld. Find me on Facebook at Chuck West. And everywhere else.